You're listening to Raceru Radio, where fitness and racing are combined. Each week, you'll hear us bring you a fitness tip to help you with your fitness journey, as well as covering the latest current event news, covering NASCAR, Formula One, and sprint cars. We always have lots to talk about, so buckle up and take another lap with us. Thanks for listening, and you can always find us on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, Facebook, you can find our multiple updates every week at Raceru Racing, and you can find our fitness updates at Raceru Fitness. Enjoy the podcast with Ryan and Jordan. Here we go. Okay, I think I got it. Yeah, there we go. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Raceru Radio again. We've been away for a while, been a little bit busy. Um, I've been to and back from the Bahamas and Myrtle Beach. Jordan's been camping the last few weeks. So uh, naturally no reception at either one of them good enough to do any kind of recording. <laughs> so, but at least it wasn't one or the other. Although I did do a, uh, my own podcast, but uh, the cruise ship started leaving sooner than I thought. And I literally text Jordan, hey, just go ahead and post this. Put your dirt segment in and post it. Figure it out. Nothing. Oh. Nothing. Hey, hey, I did record it. I just didn't post it because I didn't know you meant post it. I thought yeah. you meant just put your segment in and let me know. We were, we were rolling out of Charleston, Charleston a little earlier than I thought, um, which, by the way, was really cool. Um, kind of, I didn't know the big hype about Charleston. I know that there was some history to it from Revolutionary War era, from the uh, piracy kind of things like that, pirate era. And I see why now, because Charleston's not really on the water. I mean, it is on the water, but there's a pretty sizable, um, I guess, cove, lagoon. I don't know what it's called, bay, back bay kind of thing that you have to get, you know, in through off of the ocean and then you're into yeah. where Charleston is. So um, I kind of understand why it was kind of a big hub right now, because it's fairly well protected by Fort Sumter, which is another historical location that we actually got to see rolling out. So. But we had a lot of fun. Uh, I'm in love with the Bahamas. Um, the water was so blue, was so clear that it looked like pool water, which was just insane. It was crazy. <laughs> but I, I will really say I was very disappointed at the lack of pirate stuff in Nassau, considering it was the hub for pirates in the Golden Age. But yeah, I felt it was a little bit of uh, insulting that the first road you get onto um when you get into nassau off of the the cruise ship the first road you get there is woods rogers lane and if you don't know woods rogers is uh one of the guys that spearheaded essentially knocking down piracy by going to nassau on behalf of the the crown of britain and basically saying if you guys quit this crap now you're pardoned move on with your lives you know, we're not going to, we'll just wash it clean. If you stop, we're done. And so um, he was kind of the one who spearheaded that. And since it's such a hub for piracy, I think it's a little bit insulting, but you know, that's neither here nor there, but how was camping for you, Jay? Um, Pretty good. We had uh, obviously two back-to-back weekends. The second one was a longer weekend. Um, moved my camper from the first weekend over one spot for the second weekend. And oh, the first day on on the second week on Wednesday night, we got hit with a huge thunderstorm and uh, which, you know, the new camper is amazing. It's great. Um, 
so much more space. Bales can actually turn around and move. But she picks the one spot where there's not a lot of room, and that's right by the door to go into our bedroom and by the door to go outside. She picks that spot to stand. But, um, you know, we had we had a great time camping. Davey and Katie were up there with us the first weekend, which little uh, story tidbit here. So, obviously, you know I don't have any kids, not that we're not trying, but just haven't been able to at this point. But so Davey's stepson gets a fishing hook in the back of his head. And it was a treble hook (laughs) and it got stuck in the back of his head. Um, And so it had a barb on the back of it and I'm sitting there looking at it. Um, Mind you, it was kind of like probably five o'clock or so. So we had already had the fire rolling, had a couple of drinks going. Well, everybody sobered up real quick when you see a hook in the back of someone's head. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I look at it and it's in there pretty deep. And the point is almost back through. That's how deep it's in. And I was like, I think I know what to do. And, and it was funny because given circumstances, Katie had just gotten back. She wasn't going to come back, but she decided to anyway. So she pulled in. We thought she was flooring it out there. She had no idea. But long story short, we all find out he has a hook in his head at the same time. So Katie's like, do I have to take him to the emergency room? I was like, nah, I got an idea. We're going to push it the rest of the way through. <laughs> she was like, oh, okay. I was like, don't worry. It's almost out. But we'll tell him it's already close. Like, it's almost out. And he'll be all right. So I told him, I said, hey, look. I said, we just got to push it a little bit further to get the barb out. And then we can cut it. I said, you just tell me whenever you're in too much pain. And he's like, okay. So we sat him down at the table and give it, you know, about five minutes or so. I got the rest of <laughs> I got it most of the way through that the barb was sticking out. We cut it, and now he doesn't have a hook in his head. So. God, I hope you at least like put ice on it or some crap. God. Oh, uh, we, oh, uh, we. Uh, afterwards, we, you know, dressed no, it to up numb it food. ahead of time. Oh no! Like even no, when no. you when you do homemade uh, earrings, like that's you're supposed to ice it up real good so it's numb. Uh, well, so, at this point, uh, it was already pierced, so. Yeah. <laughs> It was, there was there was no ice in it. It was already pierced. But I was uh, we got. I, I, t- I told you the story about how I hooked myself in here, but that wasn't nearly as bad. That was just it kind of broke yeah. into the skin, but not nearly all the way through. Yeah. So I mean, to really make a long story short, even though he was at the time he was freaking out and he was a little bit in pain, after it he was cracking jokes, having a good time. So it didn't ruin his night. Good. Um, and I told Katie he's a trooper because the hook wasn't even sticking out yet, and I had to push it the rest of the way through. So, uh, but it was a, it was all good. Um, we had a really good time. Um, now um, we're going to do a lot more camping trips with Davey and Katie. We have one booked in May to go with them. Um, we're going to try and go like at least a weekend a month with them because um, me and Davey working at the same job, it's hard to get off at the same time for yeah. a week or so. So. Um, but yeah, we had a blast the first weekend and then the second weekend was just kind of like a cool down weekend, relax. And it was all fun and games until I had to get bales to the vet, um, to get her taken care of long story short. Yeah. Long story short. Um, when your dog's anal glands are clogged, you might want to get them unclogged. (laughs) Um, but I thought pop deer stomach was the worst. Nope. That's by far the worst. I didn't know bales smelled that bad. Um, so she's been on antibiotics, but after, after that, it was, you know, it was really fun. I have a projector screen that, um, I've been using 
for camping and we were watching Old Patrol live on the side of the camper and I got to watch nice. on the side of the camper. So it was pretty nice. All in all, good, good two weekends. Well, cool deal. Um, I wish I could talk more about the cruise, but it was, it was a cool cruise. I don't know. I guess I man, a few words. I highly recommend Nassau, Princess K. Um, Carnival was fine. It's kind of like Golden Corral. Like, it's fine. I can't complain buffet, about it too much. Yeah, I mean, but if I'm going to spend my money on a buffet, I'm going to go to a little bit better quality, I guess, is what I'm saying. And it was kind of more, like, Carnival was more of a party boat. Um, yeah. We did Disney last year, and Disney was more of a kid-friendly. Uh, I mean, it's, it's more kid-friendly, yes. Um, obviously, you would expect that from Disney, but it was, I mean, considering me and Jenny are big kids anyway, it was a little bit more friendly for us, too. We we had a lot more things we wanted to do on the Disney cruise, which we're taking another one here in a couple months, so, which is going to be really fun because we're flying up to Alaska. Well, we're flying to Vancouver to do an Alaskan cruise, so. I was wondering where you guys were leaving, like what port you were leaving out of to go to Alaska. Yeah. I don't know what the port's called, but we're going out of Vancouver. You can go out of Vancouver or Seattle. They do a few of them, but uh, mostly they all go out of Vancouver. There was one on Royal that you actually fly up to Seward, Alaska, and you you come back down and you get off on Vancouver. And I was kind of interested in doing that, but we were looking at it, even with Royal, which we want to try just to see. But with Disney, there's there's stuff to do all day long for us. Whereas with Royal and like there's there's definitely things for kids to do, but it's kind of like the same thing with like if there was a Nickelodeon cruise or mostly old school Nickelodeon, there would be stuff for us to do all the time because we're really into yeah. that. We're not going to yeah. be going to see yeah. some of these shows on a Royal Caribbean cruise just because they're not fitting our bill. But if they are playing Frozen, the Broadway version of Frozen, we're going to go see that. So. Um, I think we're going to try to, we'll probably end up sticking with Disney from here on out. So yeah, Bahamas, 10 out of 10 recommend. It was a good time. And dolphin experience. We, we did the one where you just kind of sit there. We didn't do the swim with dolphins one, but I knew that they were slick, but they're like a hard slick. It's very weird. It yeah. was not there because they're a ball of muscle. So it's like a slick <laughs> muscle. Yeah. It's funny. I say, I say, yeah, like I've, you know, held a dolphin before, but I'm just, I'm oh. just kind of picturing it in my head, like what it would be like. It's funny if you look at the pictures. It's like, I mean, I, I was enjoying it. Zach was enjoying it. He was just a little bit intimidated. Um, but mom, dad, and Jenny were like, they, they look like they were living their best lives. <laughs> so, but yeah, ten out of ten recommend. Um, but let's uh, let's get into the podcast. So we're gonna start this one with a. Uh, I mean, I think the last time we left off is what we're doing, but we're going to do with uh, what's Ryan doing for April. So um, we've moved out of that trend, that phase, the first three months where we were doing kind of more bodybuilding kind of things, more time under tension, slower rep schemes. We're into a kind of more performance-based kind of scheme, which we're starting with strength. So I'm doing uh, sets of six, three to four uh, rep, three to four sets, um, six reps ish. Uh, and I'm doing kind of like, I threw in some thrusters this month, um, some deadlifts cause they're super functional, some push jerks because it's just a little bit more of a dynamic move than 
your standard um, overhead press. The reason I threw thrusters in is because it's combining a front squat with an explosive stand up into a push. So adding in some layers to this one, um, we're not just doing our standard lifts. I mean, deadlift, yes, but because deadlift is super functional almost no matter how you do it. But we're doing some things where a little bit more, there's just a little bit more into it than your standard uh, lift. So uh, Metcon's kind of following that. Uh, it's pretty, pretty basic actually. Um, heavy weights, um, lighter reps, Metcons are gonna be not necessarily shorter, but the work phase is gonna be a little bit shorter. So we might be doing some heavy weights and we might be resting more um, for more rounds this month. So adding in some of that, of course, we're doing it, still doing the Ironman training, which kind of counteracts the CrossFit style that we were talking about, but it, uh, it adds a good compliment. And to be honest with you, um, as much as I'm training for an Ironman, uh, tomorrow we're going down to uh, Porter Farms in Concord to do the Spartan race. We were down there today. Kaylee and our friend Tiffany's son Riley did the the Spartan kids race today. And this is where this this kind of training can really help because you know you're going to be out there running or walking or hiking through a lot of this, especially in very muddy areas where you're going to have bad footing. And that's almost harder to walk in than, than running uh, when you're tr just trying to maintain the balance. That's going to be a lot more difficult than just running on a street or something like that. So to have that kind of cardio aspect, like we're throwing in with the Ironman training, along with some power, when you get to some of these obstacles that you have to, you know, really, really generate some force over a very short amount of time, that can be hugely beneficial. So, um, Excited to do the Spartan race tomorrow because I haven't done one since October of 2021 uh, in Ocean City. So happy to be back doing them. Uh, but the last one I did in Ocean City wasn't muddy at all. So this one to be a little different. <laughs> Generally speaking, second day of a, a Spartan race, uh, especially when it's the same, like if they're doing two sprints uh, or sprints over the course of two days, uh, you get to day two and it is a sloppy muddy mess it rained pretty good on friday so i'm expecting especially with the morning dew it's going to be very slick it's going to be very muddy it's going to be hard uh treacherous to kind of go through and i know even in the paddock today while we were following around kaylee through her race it's very very chopped up just because it's it's on a farm so a lot of area like pasture where cows walk around so it's very very uh not very uh, stable footing is what I'm trying to say. So it's going to be hard to run, but either way, it's going to be uh, really fun to, to get in that race and apply some of this training I've been doing. So you said you're doing that tomorrow? Doing the Spartan race tomorrow. Okay. I saw the pictures of Kaylee doing the, the Spartan race and I was like, look at her. She's just <laughs> running right through there. I wish we had some video on it, but yeah. The funny thing yeah. was, so she ran at 10 and then Riley came down. So Kaylee was a one mile and then Riley came down and he's a, he's a little older. So he was doing two mile. <laughs> so Kaylee kind of like, she does it for sure. And she does great, but the running aspect of it and, you know, through some of the mud, um, she does, she takes her time. Like she doesn't like try to go super fast. Riley did. Now Riley's exposure to 
this kind of tri- this kind of thing was a mud run up at Jerry Long YMCA, which was the Dirty Dozen. And we kept trying to tell him, or his mom kept trying to tell him, this is not the same. There's a lot more mud. It's a lot more intense obstacles. He's like, no, 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 I did fine. He lost his shoe within the first minute of the race, had to grab that. And then as he was coming around, because he did two laps. Kaylee did one lap. It was a one-mile lap. Riley had to do two. Um, as he's coming around, he's like, this is nothing like the mud run. So he, he definitely got his butt kicked through it. So, um, And actually, like, I kept telling people who were telling that we were going to go do it. Um, me, Tiffany, and Jenny were all going to run together tomorrow because um, of childcare. We, we had it figured out. And now we don't. So we had to switch my time to the early morning. Um, so I don't get my buddies anymore. I'm just running on my own. So, <laughs> you know, but, you know, I, I'll bet I'll definitely get done a little bit. I would say I should get done a little bit quicker. I should be able to run a little bit more. But like I said, the footing is going to be pro I would expect it to be a little tough and I'm probably still gonna be a little gun shy with my knee and everything so um, yeah, but I'm looking forward to it it's gonna be fun I would definitely uh, still be worried about the knee if I mean just just until I mean you get a couple yeah. moves on it you know what I mean like I mean I know you've been training but yeah it's it feels pretty good and everything but I went and ran in Myrtle Beach which I can't pace myself to save my life I, I was gonna do like four to five miles at a 10 minute pace per mile. And at the second, I went 843, 817, 815, 814 <laughs> over the first few miles. And then I was just like, oh, okay, this isn't working. Ended up doing 6.2 miles because I horribly um, miscalculated. I did a loop, I didn't just do an out and back. So I horribly miscalculated when I needed to do my turnaround. Um, ended up doing more miles than I, I wanted to but it worked out pretty good but my knee definitely uh it definitely swelled up a bit after that so it's something i need to monitor <laughs> i'm sorry for the reaction there i'm watching old patrol live and a guy was running from the cops and he uh oh he ran into a tree <laughs> nice i'm watching i'm watching the xfinity race over here so we're, we're both kind of like turning our heads so yeah um but any any questions on the uh on the april um, what's Ryan doing? It's pretty straightforward, actually. It's not a lot of, it's a, just a little bit different move sets. Instead of doing just, you know, regular squats, we're doing squats right. a little bit more dynamically, maybe adding a layer. Front squat is a lot more functional. Um, I feel like that applies. To, I mean, it applies. To, I do front squats every day when I pick Zach up. So, right. you know, to be able to bend down to him instead of pull him up, which, you know, most people are going to round their back to pick somebody up pull them up like this or i mean just right. anything it doesn't have to be a kid it could be just if you're going to lowe's and grabbing a bag of mulch you know right. people are gonna say <laughs> you know as compared to bend your knees squat down pick it up do it i do it every day picking yeah, it up it's, long it's a, sheets and blankets i do it every day yeah it's, <laughs> a, it's a lot more functional to be able to, to do that or just i mean this is where you can get murky between the deadlift and the squat, just because right. essentially if you're, if you're bending your knees, even if you're picking up the load from underneath you, it's still a squat motion. You're not doing a hinge as much. Right. So, but yeah, that's, it's again, pretty straightforward training. Um, I haven't been able to swim the last few weeks, which is kind of irritating, but I did try to get some running in. So, Hey, I mean, I'm going to say, I'm not going to lie. I'm pretty scared to try and get back to the gym because 
the last couple of weekends, the days that I go to the gym, I've been camping. So I've been away yeah. and I don't have a TRX currently at the moment. So really it was just walking around the campground. We were still active. I mean, we weren't just sitting there the whole time we were walking around. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we were fishing, we were right. doing a whole bunch of different things. So, um, wasn't yeah, just, but that's what you're training. training. That's what you train to do. You know, you train to go fishing and not, you know, bonk and, out t- yeah. two hours in. Yeah, you know, and I, I got the freshwater curse still. Nobody can catch fish when I'm around, so that's okay. You know. I have a I have a first <laughs> curse that I can't catch anything. I, I mean, we're gonna take another crack at it in May when we go to the campground up in Elizabethtown. There's a pond that's apparently stocked with bass, catfish all different types so we're going to give her a shot again but i wouldn't count on it by the way i'm figuring well so i texted jordan about this a little bit i'm working on a couple little you know I, yeah. we can we can get into this a little bit no let's get into it now so that we're, we're ending the fit the second we're gonna move into some other stuff before we get into dirty talk with jordan i'm working on some things about um you know i feel very blessed and and how I've been able, how much I've been able to go to the beach. Um, me and Jenny have been very, very fortunate to do a lot of things we have been doing even beforehand. Jordan can attest. We were very fortunate to grow up with grandparents that had a beach house, grandparents that had a boat. We got to do a lot of stuff. A lot of people didn't get to do. So I'm kind of thinking about ways to kind of like give back. One of the ways I was kind of doing was putting together kind of like a scavenger hunt kind of thing. Um, basically, it can, there's going to be three versions of it, one for Myrtle Beach, one for Ocean City, Maryland, and then one that's just a wherever beach you go to. But it'd be like kind of a like tour of this place. And it's basically things, you know, Jordan, I like, I'd like some input from him as well, uh, specifically on Myrtle Beach, because I, I was struggling with that one. Mer- Ocean City is pretty easy for us, I think. But um, Except for the, the White Marlin one, because, you know, none of us have called well, White Marlin. So. Yeah, no, 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 no. <laughs> but, but, but we have you know sit around the docks waiting for people to bring stuff oh, up so that's that, right. that that kind of like and you know it's it at least in ocean city it's ocean city way it's marlin capital, marlin of, the capital world. of the world so yeah, yeah so it's special but basically this little scavenger hunt that i'm putting together is basically if you go to ocean city it's and you don't know the local fair this is a little list of like here's things to do it gives you a point system and I don't, I don't necessarily know yet what to do if somebody gets a certain amount of points, but um, I'm trying to build something like this as a give back to people like, hey, if you're going to these, do this. This is the fun stuff we recommend doing. None of it includes sitting in a hotel or sitting in whatever you're at and just looking at the water. None of it includes, you know, sitting on the beach and just drinking. It's all stuff to keep you active and you know, walking around and seeing the sights and, and just appreciating being and, at the beach. So, and it's not spending money. Yeah, it's there's not, well, there it, there's it, tiers to it, and there's a yeah. whole chunk of them that is just sightseeing. Which, I mean, obviously, if you're going to the beach, you're spending money, but this is something. You know, in Ocean City, there's a whole bunch of them just doing stuff on the beach, on the boardwalk that right. costs no extra money than the fact of you just getting there. Right. So. I feel like it's a fun little thing to do. I was considering other things like trying to put together like a virtual fish, not a fishing tournament, but like a virtual fishing day. People, you know, would go fish in the name of uh, just charity or something. 
the problem with that is like my, my first thought is like, oh, we can do this as like, you take your catch to the food bank. Fish to the food bank is, I, I don't think it's the best thing from what I'm reading, just because any kind of perishable item is, is much more difficult. Yeah. Um, but something to, the, like, to that nature, because we both like, like fishing, um, I was considering putting together some kind of 5K kind of event, virtual kind of thing, which might be a little easier. But um, again, all charity, all proceeds for, for some kind of charity. Uh, so I was thinking that would be a really good, good one to do during Shark Week and donate to Shark Allies. I can't ad- you can't advertise who yeah. you're using unless you, you, know, you notify them and partner with them and, and they're okay with that. But you know, that, right. would, that would probably be the direction I would go. So I'm looking to do some things like that just to kind of give back a little bit because I feel very fortunate in the, the things that I've been able to do. Yeah, no, I 100% agree. There's some things on the Myrtle Beach one that you have the same as Ocean City and I'm like, they're not going to work. And I know you yeah, said well, you're struggling with the Ocean City one, so or with the Myrtle Beach one. So I was like, ah, I have to. I think maybe I'll take your draft when I go down there and you know look around and be like, you know, hey, maybe you could do this or do that. Yeah. Or that. You know, just pick certain things out. And I mean, I, I like a lot of the stuff you have on there. Um, there's just like honestly, we went to Ocean City our whole life, so. We could name anything, and we know pop, 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 pop. it's uh, it's off, it's off. Yeah. yeah, it's so easy. We're still we're still learning Myrtle Beach. I mean, as yeah. much as we love Myrtle Beach, we're still learning it. Um, so we're yeah. not on it as much as Ocean City. I mean, you could ask anything about Ocean City, and we're like, oh, that's down here on Twenty Fifth Street, across yeah. from this, and right there. <laughs> like, you want a great sub? Go to Sixteenth Street. There's Anthony's right there. They have the best. Yeah, sub exactly. That is on there too. But yeah, like and what I did you, with. What I did with Myrtle Beach is basically I just transferred over. I just copied the list, moved right. it over, and then I kind of went through the list. And I'm like, okay, well, this one, you know, obviously you wouldn't go eat at Anthony's. So right. let's, or, or any of these restaurants. So I backed those out. And then I just put, okay, instead of that, I don't think I put Wipeout. Um, but like I just put in, instead of the restaurants in Ocean City we would go to, I put the ones in Myrtle Beach we would go to. You know, yeah. I put the dinner yeah. show or something like that. So yeah, uh, yeah. it's a fun. I think it's a fun little thing, even if it's just like a suggested list of people, and it's like, hey, go do this. See how many points you can get at the end. And it, there's you no real keep, prize to it, you know. You did, I did keep, keep uh, catch a white marlin on Myrtle Beach too. I didn't know what else to put in Myrtle Beach because there's there, like <laughs> Ocean City has a magazine that tells you what everyone's catching. Myrtle Beach doesn't really have that, so. No, I was I was gonna actually try and look for something like that, and then I was like, uh, I don't really know anywhere down there that has a thing that you can get a whole coastal fisherman for that. Yeah, I know of the coastal fishermen in Ocean City, but I I don't know of anything like that in Myrtle Beach. So maybe uh, yeah. I don't know. You you might have to put play around a golf on Myrtle Beach and not mini golf, yeah, but actual golf because they have so many golf courses there, and you yeah. can rent clubs. Not saying that you'd be the best at it, but hey, I'm not either. No, I'm really good. I can hit the ball really far to the right. Yeah, <laughs> really far. Imagine, like, there's, imagine there's how a, much further it would go if you hit it straight. The driving range is down the street from my house, like five minutes down the street. I won't go to because it's on the left side of the road from from my house. So, like, <laughs> as you're standing there, the road is to the right. And I, it, yeah. the, the driving range goes this way, but I know if I'm hitting this way, I'm going to hit this way. 
hundred percent. Because I come in and I have my hands instead of hit this way, I turn my hands yeah. back this way. So I hit it to the right, and it has right side rotation. So it just goes. Yeah. It's it's still the the you have the baseball grip. You gotta change that. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah. There's there's plenty of stuff in Myrtle Beach that we're still learning, especially like most of the time um, when we're in Myrtle Beach. I'm at the north end and you're at the southern end. So yeah. like we're hitting both ends of Myrtle Beach. So like Crab Catchers would be a great restaurant to have on. But if you're in South Myrtle Beach, when you go to Crab Catchers, it's like almost an hour away. So it is like <laughs> funny story about that. So ever since we, we met you that one time, me and Kaylee came down and me and you went fishing. I told Jenny I wanted to go stay in Cherry Grove. Which, to be honest with you, is it's kind of a distance away from all the stuff we already do. But right. she told me this like, after we got off the cruise because we're bougie as hell. Um, she had called me the week before and was like, "Hey, do you want to stay?" We we settled. We eventually picked Myrtle Beach, but she's like, "Do you want to stay at the beach until Sunday?" Sure, I always want to stay at the beach over Easter, so why not? Right. So she's like, I asked her where the hotel was. She's like, "Yeah, I think I picked one up." farther north the hotel we went to was literally like when you pass the sign for myrtle beach and then you hit the the like you turn right onto the road that actually goes behind the waterfront mm -hmm. it was like three blocks up it was 0.8 miles away from the final pier in myrtle beach before you start heading yeah. down to, like, you, you were close to the airport island. yes it was right in front of the airport <laughs> Yeah. I was like, oh my God, the sense of direction. But see, <laughs> that's also that's also a spot that I wouldn't necessarily be mad to, to stay at because you're close to that national park. And yeah. like I've been wanting to go to that national park because my goal is to see a wild alligator or crocodile because yep. that no, is my goal. Steve Irwin has trained me for this moment, okay? And every time I see the snakes and crocodiles walking on the beach, I'm like, you know, RIP Steve Irwin, you've trained me for this moment. It's time, it's my time to shine. And I was also listening on Meat Eater. They had a crocodile expert on there. And he said, as long as you're 140 pounds, you could take down a 10-foot alligator. So I'm there. I can get a 10-foot alligator. <laughs> See, the thing is about it, that people are like, oh, my God, sharks, oh, my God, sharks. I'm like, I don't mind the shark, but the freaking saltwater crocodile, nope, nope, nope. Yeah, that is the funny part. Like, everybody's so worried about sharks there. People don't realize that the saltwater Shark in the water, where? Alligator in the water, I'm out, bye, done. No, no, thank you, sir. Anyway, well, we've kind of rambled, rambled on about the beach long enough. But uh, one thing I did want to say is I, did, um, I would like to kind of go fishing with you again when you come down for your week. Just keep that in mind. Oh, um, sign me up. Sign me up. I'm bringing my own rods down. And, I mean, hey, if you're coming down too, you might want to get a weekend fishing license too because even if we don't go on the boat, I'm going to have some rods with me. So, Well, if, you could, if you're able to rent a kayak, we can go into some intercoastal and just try to – drag for flounder or something oh uh, yeah I'm, I'm sure we could yeah but I'll, anyway I'll definitely definitely have rods let's uh let's uh transfer over now to dirty talk with jordan and now it's time for dirty talk with jordan the part of the show where jordan comes out and talks a little dirty 
So without further ado, Dirty Talk with Jordan. All right, guys. So we have a lot of Dirty Talk to catch up on because it's been a lot of action and happening. Everything's full swing right now. So I'm going to start it off by hitting the late model race prior to the dirt race at Bristol. I don't know if you watched the highlights of that, but that was by far one of the best late model races ever. Kyle Larson, Jonathan Davenport through slider, slider, slider. I mean, it was just haymaker after haymaker. And then, oh yeah, by the way, Kyle Larson blew a tire on the last lap, still won. Um, so it was the left rear. He got hit by none other than Kyle Busch and blew out his left rear tire, but he was able to finish um, and take home the win. So that was probably, there was a lot of NASCAR guys in that one. So uh, it was cool to see by far one of the best late model races I've ever watched. Um, we'll jump to the world of outlaws. They canceled tonight, but we'll jump till last week. And on Friday, they were at, what's that? Uh, I thought you that, that was my, I accidentally what? unmuted my TV. Oh, um, so Friday last week, they were at US 36 Raceway and Sheldon Hodenshield, he ran the hard line and passed everybody um, multiple times, um, went three wide, passed people, and then, oh yeah, came back through the field and passed people again. Um, he ended up picking up his first win of the year. And then they went to 81 Speedway. Um, they were running the Jason Johnson Classic, the one that you text me about, the highlights for that. Uh, Rico Abreu picked up the win there. Um, that one's a really important race, the Jason Johnson Classic, just because of the Raging Cajun. I have one of his die-cast cars. Um, but, uh, yeah, he, he passed away a couple years ago and had this race for him every year. So it's one of the big races that it's an honor to win. Um, and then we'll jump to this weekend with the World of Outlaws. Like I said, they rained out tonight. But last night they were racing I-55 one of my personal favorite tracks and um, Brad Sweet picked up the win there. He's kind of on a winning tear right now. So he picks up the win, um, making the points really interesting. It's going to be between gravel, Macedo and sweet right now. They're uh, the three fastest and Macedo wrecked gravel last night, which uh, hurt him. It, uh, he didn't really wreck him. He kind of hit his left rear, blew his tire out. Um, and that is what caused uh, Brad Sweet to get to the lead. So we'll jump now to the All-Star Circuit of Champions. And last week they rained out. So they bumped it back to this week. They were at Attica Raceway in Ohio. Um, and last night is was picked up the win was picked up by Greg or sorry, Craig Martz. Um, the 09 car. I think he's a local out there in Ohio. Guess how much he won by? I mean, he was coming on late, late, late. Picks up the win by 0. .074 seconds coming to the line. So it was a really, really close race. That was really cool to see. Um, so we'll jump to local racing. The Grove had their opener last weekend. And Zeb Wise, the invader for the All-Stars, he came in. He picked up the win. He came out and took the first Grove race in Posseville. So that wasn't really cool, but doesn't count as an all-star race, so we're not counting it as an all-star win. Um, then this weekend, that's pretty much the only track that got to run, um, as everybody else rained out today. 
But um, Lance DeWeese picked up his 117th career win at Williams Grove. Um, so he has a lot of wins between the Grove and Port. He has over 100 wins at both. Um, so, yeah, like I said, normally if Lance is on the track at one of them, he's going to be up front. Um, last week at Port Royal, um, Devin Borden picked up his first win. Matter of fact, he had to pass Lance DeWeese to get his first win. Um, so, you know, when you're passing Lance DeWeese, you have a really good car. But he gets his first win of the year. And then uh, I'm so kind of frustrated I wasn't at this race and also flows wasn't uh, filming this race um, because Lincoln, like we said before, they were only doing 11 races this year. The first race at Lincoln Speedway that was not done by Flo. One of my favorite drivers wins. Um, Kyle Moody picked up the win there. Um, frustrated me that I couldn't see it and that I wasn't there for it, but I'm glad to see that he's coming on strong this year. He had a really strong run at the Grove the night before and kept that going with the win at Lincoln. So, like I said, right now, um, everybody rained out. The All-Stars are running. Um, Outlaws rained out. Local tracks rained out. But the All-Stars, as I was watching prior to us starting the podcast, um, they weren't even at the feature yet. They were getting ready to get there, but not sure who's starting on the poll for that. But I'll have that update next week. But one thing that you guys might also have seen, the High Limit Sprint Car Series started this week. Uh, they finally got their first race in, the highly anticipated 56 cars there. Um, it was a good one. But uh, Gio Selzy, he picked up the first win of the High Limit Sprint Car Series. Um, and like we said, when we say high limit, definitely high limit. He won, I believe it was 20 grand, maybe, um, the first race. Um, but through all this, there's eight races. There's also a point system to it. And as they go through the season of that, um, there's an extra 30 grand on the line for whoever wins the championship of the high limit sprint car series. So a lot of cars showing up, a lot of people running that full season. Um, it could only be a matter of time before they add races in, but, um, our PA guys went out there. Macri was there. Um, Brent Marks was there. Danny Dietrich was there. Um, I think Macri started fourth. He ended up dropping and missing a little bit. And I think Marks had to work hard to get up into the top 10. So they were there, but, uh, we didn't, we didn't really have a good showing there, but, uh, I think their next race is Tuesday this coming week. So if you guys have flow racing, jump on there, get a sneak peek at them. Um, and then to wrap it up with the sprint cars, they're at BAP Speedway tomorrow, as long as uh, we get pretty decent weather. They'll be at BAPS at, uh, in Susquehanna tomorrow. Um, so that'll be pretty cool. Um, and I also want to say um, for the next couple of seconds before we switch over to NASCAR, um, I just want to take a moment of silence for Justin Owens. Uh, he's a USAC driver. Um, we lost him on Saturday. Uh, he lost his life in a, a USAC wreck, and I think it was time trials or something, but um, very scary wreck. So just want to take a moment of silence for him and his family. Thank you, everyone. Yeah, it was very sad. It's always very sad when you, we see a racer go down. Um, I know yeah. you said that there was almost another one too. So, yeah, uh, um, Jake Jake Newman was his name. Um, 
we found out actually what happened with his car. Um, prayers for him to get better as well. Um, but um, we found out what happened with his car. One of the, I think it was one of the, um, I, I don't know the technicalities to it, but essentially suspension broke on his car and made it do a hard right into the wall. And sprint cars are not meant to go nose first into the wall. And that's what happened. He went up over the wall into the catch fence back down. Um, so it was one of those very odd wrecks. Um, but he went to the hospital, got checked out. Everything was negative. He's good to go. He actually went home today. So, yeah, it was it was kind of surreal for the uh, last last two weekends with uh, one driver getting killed and the other one being almost severely injured. It was just yeah. one of those. And it was like the first race that was back on since that happened. And it was like one of those, like it's in time trials. And as soon as you wrecked, it was just like, oh man, we can't, we can't have another one, you know? So it was glad he was okay. But yeah, it's, it's kind of, it's surreal. You know, like we say with NASCAR, you know, these guys, most of the time they're so protected. We get numb to the fact that these guys are going at high rates of speed and that what they do is dangerous. And when it happens, it just shocks. I don't want to say shocks the racing world, but like we're not shocked as in surprise. We're shocked as in like at a loss for words. Yeah, it's. I mean, there's there's like a there's like a void, and it doesn't matter yeah. where the the driver was, whether it was a top tier um, racing series or, or you know weekend warrior kind of thing, guys. But it, there's always a feeling throughout the racing yeah. world. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, we're gonna move over to. We're not gonna start with NASCAR. We're gonna start with F1. Now, I don't know about you. Um, obviously, I was on a boat, couldn't see the Australian GP, uh, but I don't know if you would have gotten up anyway, considering that, the fact that it was uh, aired at one like o'clock, one o'clock in the morning. Yep. Nope. So I didn't didn't get to see it, but from the generalization of what I've seen of it, um, F1 does what F1 does again, which is create very weird situations. <laughs> like, yeah. So from what I've gathered is Max was kicking everyone's tail, apparently even holding back. Lewis was good enough to run second. Um, Caution comes out late. Safety car comes out late. They decide to re-rack him and go, and three-quarters of the field piles up in turn one or something like that. So And then, and then so uh, Hulkenberg, I think, would have been fourth had they let it play out the way it did, but that what they did was like, they, they reverted it to the timing line prior to the wreck or something, something weird like that, which relegated him to seventh. Um, but yeah, it, it, I was kind of reading it and God, I would hate to have been one of those watching it because it sounded confusing as I was reading it in the aftermath. So I'm thinking during the time it happened, it would have been super, super confusing. Good, but, good thing we give NASCAR officials so much crap. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, but this is kind of the what we've seen. I mean, it looked like Checo, I don't know how he would have done had he not started from the pit lane, but it sounded like he had a pretty epic drive to get back to where he finished, I think, like fifth or sixth or something like that. Um, but I think what's interesting is Lewis being able to pull off P2. Uh, sounds like he was good enough for that. Um, regardless of all this other nonsense. Um, but George Russell was, he was competitive, I think, but had an engine failure. But he wasn't up with Lewis is what I'm understanding. So 
But hey, how about a Fernando Alonso? Three straight podiums. That's, That's good pretty for impressive. That yeah. is very impressive, considering the fact that I don't know that Aston Martin had a podium all of last year. And I don't believe they did. I think it was just like two or three maybe for Seb. So on, on chaotic situations, they didn't drive up yeah. there to do that. So um, pretty, pretty cool, especially not only for Aston Martin, but I don't think Alonzo had had a podium since he returned a few years ago. So, you know, I, I think, come out and reel off three in yeah. a row and be fast. Yeah, you I know, don't think that, he does. That was a big deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but it, I don't have too much to say about F1 just because I didn't really see it. No, there's not much to talk about. Red Bull is in a league of their own. Like, I, I did say this on the podcast that I recorded last week uh, that didn't get posted. Yeah. <laughs> but, yep. like, I, I'm, when, you're watching, you're, when you're watching F1 right now, it's like the Red Bull cars. It's kind of like watching the 24 hours of Daytona. And you have you like your prototypes and then your GT, and they're just two different classes. Like whoever finishes third in points, or whoever, whatever constructor finishes second in points, you just be like, "Hey, we won!" I mean, not really, mm-hmm. but we did kind of because that car isn't even an F1 car anymore. <laughs> like, yeah. Or we're not F1. One of these two things is not the same. Right. So it's a little, uh, it's a little crazy. Everybody now. else is racing an F2 car and. Yeah, the, the Red Bulls are on F one. Yes. So yeah, but with what you saw with Checo, this is why I was never really worried about Checo competing with Max because this is the things that are going to happen. Max is obviously the superior driver; they're going to lean into Max more. So for Checo to have, I mean, I think the only thing that Checo would would benefit from, as far as winning a champ, going for a championship, the only thing that that Checo can do is hope Max has a string of reliability issues or something takes him out of the car for an extended period of time. Not wishing bad on anything, but that's it. That's That's the only way that Checo is going to compete for a championship against Max. I fully expect that Max could go out here and he could have this thing sealed up far earlier than he did last year. Just by the look of the domination he had. It's better racing than NASCAR, apparently. Yeah, well, we're going to get to that because I have some things to say about that. So let's go. Let's go over to the NASCAR. So I want to. I guess let's start with the penalties because that'll lead us into this into the. the dirt race. I, I don't want to. I don't want uh, to nail because we missed a lot of races, but let, let's start actually with one that I covered last week. But again, didn't don't need to say. So the Josh Williams penalty from Atlanta. This is how far back we're going. Um, I didn't agree with it because th- this to me was for them to suspend him for a race. He doesn't have any prior issues at all. Now, if they would have go ahead and say, Hey, we're going to penalize, we're taking him, we're suspending him for one race because he got out of his car without the safety crew there. He walked across a live, uh, the infield across a live racetrack and was defiant in going to the care center. Okay. But they didn't say that. This is the same with the Bubba Wallace thing last year. It's like, if you said this thing, I agree. But you said that thing, so I don't agree. There was no precedence to penalize a guy for what Josh Williams did. And I'm asking here, Jordan, do you think if Josh Williams parks his car right where he's at, waits for the safety crew, gets out, under the exact same circumstances, but he rides in the, in the safety car back. 
Do you think he gets penalized? Yeah. I still think he does. I still think he does. suspend him for one race for that? I don't know if they do, but I still think I don't think they do. I still think they penalize him due to the fact that he caused the caution to be extended and NASCAR was already in some sort of grumpy mood yeah. because the Xfinity race was just wreck happy and wreck happy. And I mean, the, from what I heard of that is the debris that came off his car was there when he came off pit road and it was there before the NASCAR waved the green flag. They just didn't see it. So yeah. they waved the green flag. Someone sees it. They waved the yellow again. And then they're like, Oh, well he's got to be parked. So I mean, there's a lot of frustration going on. Honestly, yeah. I, I get what you're saying. I think regardless, if he parks on the front straightaway and gets out, regardless of what he's doing, I think NASCAR is going to be like, dude, you could drive your car back to the pitch. You're extending our caution. And I still think they're going to – they're probably not going to suspend him, but I still think they they penalize him for making a scene – or extending their caution, delaying the race, if you will. Well, let's, um, let's agree. Let's agree on this part. Let's agree on this part. If you if you think you're not sure that they're going to suspend him, this is my point. You suspended him, but you you didn't say anything about him walking across the track. So if the situation was different, and the only thing if we did this scenario, but the only thing that was different was he rode in the the ambulance back to the care center, but you didn't suspend him for not doing that. What is the penalty? It doesn't make any sense. That right. that is my point. Like it, it honestly, I feel like if he would have parked his car right where it was, gotten out of the car, even if he does his little piece side to the crown, and then and then I don't think that this gets talked about at all. I think it goes under the rug. We forget about it. So right. to me, that's why I severely disagree with the penalty, especially on a first time. Yeah. So we're gonna get into more of this, but my my idea here is. I have to rethink of how I rephrase this now that because I'm kind of on the spot. But you, you, you essentially were you essentially were just saying that the driver should still be allowed to drive and not count for yes. points, but still run for yes. the sponsor. Yeah. Yes, especially because in Josh Williams' scenario, you know his his partners for that car that Mario Goslin really really rely on because they're yeah. low budget. Right. You know he he relies on that income coming in. So if they have partners for that next race. Well, now Josh isn't going to race. Well, maybe that partner doesn't want to partner up for Coda. Right. That really puts a burden on everybody. So to me, I think the better situation is a, you're going to point suspend him for a race. Let him go out there and run the race. Doesn't matter where he finishes. Now this is assuming it was right to suspend him. And I don't think it was. Until he but wins. We're not gonna, but, but still, you, he goes out and wins the race. Well, guess what? It didn't count for the the playoffs because your points didn't count. You're basically running as if you were committed to the truck series or cup series. So right. you win. Good for you. You get no points out of it. And then I think your penalty should be based on uh, percentages, especially for those lower tier guys. And we're going to talk about colleague in just a minute where these lower tier teams like, hey, we're going to hit them with a penalty. But it's like, think about it. If, if you're talking Xfinity series, for the same penalty, a let's say a twenty thousand dollar penalty to Mario Goslin's DGR Racing versus Junior Motorsports team, big difference. Well, any of the teams, it's a huge difference. It's a humongous difference, and you know that those Junior Motorsports teams are probably going to run better. Yeah. Now, if they go out there and tank for a race so they don't get hit with a bigger penalty, th- 
that probably that still doesn't help them because you know it looks bad on their sponsors. They're going to get right. less money from winning. Anyway, so it's unlikely they're going to go out there and tank for it. Bad for partnerships, so they're not going to go out there and tank. So, but these teams that are going to consistently run twentieth ish or back, you know, let's let's do this as a percentage of the race winnings. If you look at the race winnings, I'm not sure if this is still active, but from like twelve to the rest of the field, the winning, the prize winnings are remarkably similar. <laughs> like th- there's not a huge gap as far as every time I've checked. So it's like if you say five percent, you're gonna hit somebody pretty much the same. You know, right. I'm just throwing a number out there. I don't know what the number should actually be, but you know that that can be decided. But I feel like that's more appropriate. Because if you're a 20th place team, you should be penalized at a rate that's equal to, you know, if you do the same crime as a team that's consistently running the top five, your penalty should impact you the same as it impacts them, not more. And that's, you know, if those teams are getting hit with penalties that are more impactful, that's how teams get out of the sport. So I I, I disagreed with that one. Um, you You agree with my sentiment on this? 100%. So now that leads us into colleague. Colleague's penalty basically not being the same same penalty that Hendrick Motorsports got. And I have a theory on that. The same penalty Hendrick Motorsports got. But Hendrick had it on all of their louvers works. Colleague had it on one. Doesn't really look like they were trying to cheat. It kind of looks like it was just a goofball thing. But maybe they knew about it and they brought it anyway. I give them that. But where Hendrick gets their penalties basically reversed as far as points anyway. No, not basically. Colleague, they got it reversed. <laughs> but they still had to they still had to pay fines, which we've talked about that. The fines aren't as impactful for the cup teams, especially right. a, a Hendrick Motorsports versus a colleague racing. So if the, if Colleague has to pay the same fine monetarily, it, it hurts them more. Yeah, and then you dock them with points, which hurts them more because now they have to go. They have to go out there and win a race, and they haven't shown the speed to do that yet. So, I I, I don't see the consistency with those penalties here. I the the appeals panel seems a little odd. Seems a little suspect, if you ask me. A little suspect. I don't quite understand it, but I know people were like, "Oh, of course, you know, Hendrick gets the you know." People or NASCAR favors Hendrick and blah blah blah, which is not true. NASCAR had nothing to do with the reversals, um, but I have a theory on that. So, what is your thoughts about the calling penalty? I mean, I, for some reason, I knew it was going to stand after Hendrick's got uh, theirs expunged, pretty much. Um, yeah, they still had to pay the money, but um, to me, it's kind of odd that the same crime does not fit the same penalty. Um, yeah. And, and that's the part that, and, and don't get me wrong. I understand it's not necessarily NASCAR's fault. It's the appeals panel, but even still um, it almost had to be like the way Hendrick got theirs. It was almost better off if NASCAR was just like, Hey, look, before we even go to the appeals, we'll give you your points back. We'll keep it the same way as Hendrick, just because I mean, the way it looks is terrible regardless mm-hmm. if nascar had a hand in it or not it looks terrible and it looks like hendrix obviously was favored over um colleague 
So it, it looks really, really bad on the sport. And again, it's not NASCAR's fault, the appeals panel, but I know they, I know NASCAR went into changing rules and stuff to try and make it. You're going to keep the penalty. You keep it all. You don't eliminate it here and there and keep this. Um, so yeah, it, it looks really, really bad on the sport. Um, and maybe there's something that needs to go into the appeals panel, but even still, there's always going to be biased people. If you're involved in NASCAR, you're still biased. Like if, for instance, you have junior on the appeals panel, if a Hendrick car is in for penalty, he's going to be biased on it. 100%. Um, if it's RCR, he might be biased on it compared to Joe Gibbs. Um, so you have to use randoms for the appeal panel, but at the same time, it's, it's like when the writing's right there on the wall that one team gets this and the other team doesn't, it's yeah. bad. It's a hundred. It's a hundred percent bad. And the fact that last year, I think it was three teams got hit with the same penalty and it was upheld on those teams, and it might not have been for the Louvers, but then Hendrick comes out. Hey, you can have your points back, but you can still pay the money but have your points back. And then colleagues like, hey, we did the same thing they did. Well, and they're like, yeah, but um, you're still getting the penalty. Yeah. Well, the whole thing about it, too, is like with, with both of them, there was no really defining thing of like with yeah. the Hendrick one, it's like, well, we're, we're flipping the penalty back. So you're, you're innocent, but you're actually not innocent because we're keeping some of the penalties. So you're partially guilty. It's like, but, right. but are you are you innocent or are you guilty? Like what? And under what grounds? None of it is really explained, so it's very weird. Right. But I do have a theory that, and with people who are really on the camp of, well, of course NASCAR would side with Hendrick. Um, I think NASCAR is getting it back right now because of this deal with William Byron. And I think that yeah, NASCAR was kind of like chomping at the bit with Hendrick, and they're like, oh, we're going to get you. We're going to yeah. get you now. And they got and Byron. So you, you, got, you got off. We look like idiots, so we're going to get you now. And so that first opportunity a couple of weeks ago, William Byron and Alex Bowman get hit, penalty. And I think that they went – I heard this theory from DBC, and then I think it even more with this BS Kyle Larson penalty, which, I, I mean, hey, it was against my driver, but I still think it was BS. I think that was the same thing. They were like, oh, throw a penalty on the five car now. He gets, he's getting docked too. What so, happened with Larson? I didn't hear about that. Oh, we're going to get into that in just a minute. We're going to get into this. But I think that NASCAR is coming out and being like, okay, we're going to get Hendrick back on, on our side. And I think what they did is they went to Hendrick and went like, all right, look, we're going to hit you with a penalty. And we're going to do it. We're not going to do it as much of a penalty as what it was before. And you're just going to say, okay, yes, yes, NASCAR, we're going to not appeal this yeah. penalty, right? Or we're going to make it worse. Yeah. Okay. So I think that's what happened. But um, before we get into it, because we, we're going to talk on the dirt race here in just a minute. Um, the Denny Hamlin one, uh, the way that Denny Hamlin has been running this year, um, even if it's like, I don't necessarily like them penalizing him for wrecking Ross Chastain. Uh, and I, I, I don't think that's actually why they penalized him. I think they penalized him because he came out on his podcast. and was like, oh, yeah, I intentionally wrecked him. Of course I did. Duh. Yeah. Yeah. So for it, coming out the taking, podcast? Did you listen to the podcast about everything he presented? Uh, the emergency? I didn't listen to the emergency one. One, 100% had the best case against everything. Um, and literally the appeals panel was sitting there and NASCAR was like, you know what? You're right. On 
everything that we sent you, you know what, you, you made a very valid argument and you're pretty much right. The only thing that Hamlin thought that they were still going to maybe imply was detrimental to the sport. Um, mm-hmm. That was the only thing he was like, yeah, you know, we're going to have a win here. And he said, essentially they came back and we're like, yep, nope, you're getting everything. And he was, and that was it. And I mean, yeah, he made one heck of a case, honestly, like hundred percent. Like he's like, one of them was, you know, Dale wrecking Terry at Bristol and saying, I didn't mean to wreck him. I just meant to rattle his cage. Well, what are you saying? You essentially meant to wreck him. You know, you, you, you caused him to have contact and yeah, it's not, it's, he was just, he was pretty much presenting that through the years, NASCAR has been a sport of contact is what it's been. And it's still going to be that way, whether you want these drivers to sit there and hold their tongues. And I think NASCAR made it far worse by penalizing him for, him going on a podcast and, and yeah saying, oh. I, I don't necessarily think it's the best thing but i think that this whole ross chastain denny hamlin thing it got so out of out of hand and with denny hamlin basically what denny hamlin did to sum it up and he's been doing this kind of all year has been pointing the finger at everyone else and saying they're the problem they're the problem they're the problem i'm not a problem i'll tell you, you mean, what like i'm a problem well i did this dumb thing but them 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 them, them. and the i listened to this right? podcast that was one of them but I listen to this podcast and it's a lot of self-service. I do this and I do that. My people are great because of X, Y, and Z. But those idiots over there, that is what his podcast is. And so for him, basically what he did at Phoenix, like Ross wrecked Denny a ton of times last year, even I think once or twice this year. But Ross wrecked him in, in hard racing. Ross wrecked him because he ran out of town trying to pass Denny. And for some reason, he just strayed toward FedEx. I don't know why. I was like, I, I had a theory that maybe Ross was sleeping with Denny Hamlin's ex-girlfriend. I, I mean, total out of out of the mind, but maybe they have a, a beef we don't know anything about behind the scenes. You know, I feel like that's plausible. But for Denny to come out this year and just be or at Phoenix and be like, well, I'm going to the back, so you're coming with me. And then come out on, on national you know, a broadcast and be like, yeah, I mean, he had it coming, right? I mean, you know, it's been a long time coming. Of course I did that. I was just like, well, you're coming with I, me, dude. I, I, don't I still don't necessarily agree with it. With it but it's like, I understand why I understand why NASCAR was finally like, dude, would you two just quit it? We are yeah, tired I, of you two. I don't, so I, don't see anything I, I at least understand. So, but to me, I mean, I, I'll give you on that. But then the way that Danny Hamlin went into Richmond, and wreck JJ JJ Yaley. That wreck, you know, that race I didn't see. I was on the boat then. But you know, that's that's kind of when I look at it. After all this stuff, and after all him preaching for the last two years about safety and safety and safety, and then the way he's wrecked, and even the wreck of Chastain, he's kind of lucky no one else got taken out in it. Because it's what? like that's generally when someone. When you try to wreck somebody, what ends up happening is you tend to wreck yourself or somebody else, not mm-hmm. the guy you're trying to hit. So, which we're going to get to here in just a minute, but well, you're putting other guys at rest. You were still kind of at, like you were towards the front of the pack. So yeah, you, he didn't. Even I think wreck, you, he didn't even wreck Chastain at Phoenix, though. He caused contact. He didn't wreck him. I yeah, but my my point is. You for somebody who preaches safety and we need to be no, safer no, no, I, so much I, I, and not drive that. like idiots, he drives like an idiot. Yeah, and no, so I, it's I like that. that. That's my point. It's it's almost like 
well, you know what? They shouldn't have penalized you for this, but you're driving like such an idiot that, eh, I don't feel bad yeah. for you. That's I don't my know point, if they which, should have fined it. I don't know if they should have gave him a twenty-five point penalty though. That that seems. I think cheap. I think some of it too might be because Denny's a very vocal owner and doesn't yeah. really stay in line, so maybe that has something yeah. to do with it. Yeah, but yeah. now now but, let's get so we're gonna let's well, go ahead. Well, go ahead. real quick from Coda. So let me ask you: You were talking about Josh Williams getting suspended a race for parking his car walking across the track. How come yeah. Daniel Suarez gets to you know race the next weekend? Yeah. after. Yeah, I forgot about that. By a NASCAR official, uh, because it's Cup Series and Daniel Suarez is the bigger name. Doesn't doesn't matter. That no, that it shouldn't. I'm just telling you how it is. So many more people in jeopardy yeah. than what Josh Williams did. No, I, th- uh, I think I 100 percent think you're right. Should have 100 percent been suspended a race. That, that was uncalled for. He had the you, whole lap to do yeah. something, the whole cooldown lap, and he waits till pit road to hit them both. I mean, come on now. You have heard me on this podcast say before. Yes. Contact on pit road should not, it should be a non-negotiable zero tolerance policy. Accident or not. Like, I don't care if you're just, if you're kind of unloosening your belts and the guy stops in front of you and you nope, non-negotiable. It is not because there's guys out there taking their pit banners down and taking their cameras down and you're putting other people at risk. You're putting officials at risk. And, and even the drivers are I, taking off their seatbelts and stuff. Mm-hmm. You know what so, I mean? Like, I, yeah. Uh, it, I, it I 100%. Incredible. No, I don't think he got points for that, but I do no, agree with No, he just got fined. Fine. Yeah, see, that to yeah. me, that it, with all these penalties going around, which is, it is getting a little out of hand. Um, yeah, I just, I I thought there should be more to that and less just to, to some of the other ones. So, but yeah, if we're talking about suspensions, that should have been one way more 100%. than the yeah. Um, so let's get to, to the dirt race. Now, what happened with Kyle Larson is he was penalized 50 points for his wreck, where he essentially wrecked himself. <laughs> oh, where he came down on. He came down on Ryan Freese and wrecked himself. Yeah. Now, that one yeah. to me, that was one of those. Again, it's, it's kind of like this. It's like, well, that wreck was so stupid. They should penalize you 50 points for being so stupid. Not not literally, but you kind of figuratively like say, dang, that move was so dumb, they should give you a penalty. But then they did, and it's kind of like, no, that's not, no. I don't agree with that penalty at all. Um, I think that he penalized himself for wrecking himself, and it all Rick. started with him wrecking, not Rick, he didn't really wreck. I didn't have a problem with the whatever you want to call it off turn four. You know, he kind of ran up the track, and he wasn't all the way clear. This happens. That's racing to me. It Let, put Ryan Freese in the fence, and I hate it because it, it did ruin Ryan's night a little bit. But that was but, racing. But on the on the flip side of that, and I'm not I'm not defending Larson, and I'm not defending Ryan Priest, But everybody's like, oh well, Kyle Larson races you that way. He puts you in situations where you have to decide if you're going to lift or yeah. if you're not. And I understand that they want to say that, and that's okay. But at the same time, if you're going to put yourself in the situation of not lifting, you're doing mm-hmm. the same thing. So, yeah. so at the end of the day, yeah, Larson came up on him. He could have lifted and maybe they still would have made contact, whatever. But I can tell you that move 100% is a sprint car move because yeah. you show the person your right rear. And if they stay in it, you make contact with their front tire. It'll either break their axle or, you know, 
nine times out of 10, the other car behind them is going to lift because you're going to have a battle into the next corner. And yeah. I get these cars are based off of momentum, but look, we know Brian Priest had the better car at the time. There was no need for him to stay there. He could have lifted and battled back because he was definitely faster. Yeah. So well, I, th- I think from his standpoint, especially because Kyle is such a good race car driver, not just on dirt, but on dirt as well. I don't think he expected Larson to come up all the way to the wall. I kind of, I kind of see both sides of it um, because I mean, Larson right. was, was very, he wasn't clear, but he was close. So it's right. kind of, and it's, it's just, it's, it's a racing deal to me. That was a racing deal. Now, again, did that move kind of destroy Ryan's night? Cause it, it he had hard contact with the wall, eventually broke a tie rod uh, toe link. Yeah, like I understand why Ryan's upset. And then I understand on the flip side, when push comes to shove, Ryan basically does the same thing back. He, I don't see any difference between the two, the, the two moments. Ryan didn't run him up into the wall. Ryan just put him in a situation where it was like, hey, you did like, the same thing. Did this, it just did the same thing. Now, mm-hmm. what happened after that is Larson, I, I think Larson was very frustrated by that point. And I, I don't know what he was trying to do. He turned down so hard that he wrecks himself, which again, we see drivers do this all the time, try to wreck somebody and wreck themselves. And you took yourself out of the race. It was just a dumb move. So yeah, yeah. that I, being said, it, it, to I, me, it I, was more of a, ha ha, they should penalize you for that. Not a serious. Yeah. I don't necessarily know if it was a, I'm going to make contact with you going into this corner. Um, a lot of times, and again, this is what it looked like to me, and it looked like he definitely turned down intentionally. I don't know if he was trying to wreck Priest intentionally, but they were still kind of side by side. And a lot yeah. of times, when in dirt racing, especially late models or sprint cars, if you're the car on the outside, you're going to push just as hard as the car on the inside, so that way the car on the inside can't pull a slider on you or come up in front of you. So mm-hmm. it looked like he was going to try and run it just as hard and just what he was doing with the way these cars are ended up taking himself out. Yeah. Now I will say this, that I'm a little suspicious. My first instinct was he did this, but then no at Coda when Bubba Wallace wrecked him and then Bubba Wallace admitted it's his fault, but it looked like when they were pulling onto pit road, Larson and Wallace, it looked like, from the first angle I saw that Larson came off that last corner before pit road and tried to quickly dart to the left to, I don't know, get in front of a brake check, like cut off bubble walls or so it just looked like something like he tried to cut across the track and do something. And he ended up running into Denny Ham. You know, you know what I'm talking about? Like he, he, he yeah. didn't know Hamlin was there and came across and spun himself out on Hamlin's nose because he was trying to retaliate to Bubba. So the first angle, I was like, oh, man, maybe. And then the second angle, I was like, ah, I think he was just trying to get on pit road really quick. But he keeps showing this. So I kind of wonder maybe if, if Larson's seeing some frustration out here and potentially uh, potentially trying to cause issues and, and just keeps wrecking himself. So uh, keep, something to keep an eye on. Yeah, I don't, know. Yeah. I, don't know. Now, I don't know. Now, what was your take on the dirt race? Wait, well, 
I don't know. I'm on the fence. Like half of me listens to these cup guys and like I listen to Larson when they say it because like Larson and Stenhouse and these guys, they're dirt racers. Um, what that was on Sunday is not a dirt race. Um, uh, it, I'm glad you said that. It, I mean, you, you just have to look at it. It's not a dirt race. It's not run like a dirt race. Um, it's cool because the cars are getting sideways and they're sliding around, but it's not, it's not a dirt race. I mean, there's so many different, like it, it's, it's a night and day difference between a dirt race and, and a NASCAR race. I mean, if you're going to make it a dirt race, you're going to have to have dirt cars on it. Like I like seeing that these guys are struggling. It makes it hard for them. There was a lot of passing. There was a lot of moving, but it, it, it wasn't a dirt race per se. It was on dirt, but I mean, I, I don't know. There's, I can say they could go somewhere else, but the, the fact of the matter is you can't get any moisture in the track because if you have moisture in the track, you're going to throw mud on the windshields and they can't see when they have mud on their windshields. So unless you're going to remove the windshield and make it so that way they can use tear offs, um, you're going to have an issue right there. Nobody can get any grip because again, there's no moisture in the track. So um, yeah, it's cool watching them struggle. Um, the top racing guys in the world, they're, struggling on a surface like that so part of me likes it but i don't know i'm torn i I think i think they should keep racing dirt because it is one of the things that like separates nascar from every other top tier sport so i think they should keep doing it but they still have to figure out some sort of different package to make it more competitive so I'm going to ask you this. So if, first of all, I'm going to throw in here. So John Hunter Nemechek just won the Xfinity race at Martinsville. Doing those burnouts, he set his uh, mud flaps on fire. Mud flaps on fire. Yeah, yeah. So I think the mud flaps are going to go here. It's the stupidest thing in the world that we're running these things when we're not in a rain package. Like, can we please have a rain package when we need to put it on the car? The rain package is at Martinsville because, because did they have the windshield wipers on? I think they do. No, no, no. They, 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 they don't put them on unless, unless there is actual rain. So there's not, it's not raining right now. Well, that's, see, they can't disconnect the mud flaps like that to keep the spray down. So they can't disconnect it them. So they seems have to, put to them me on. like you got to engineer some way to do that. Cause this it is dumb. To, this is the second time me, we've had yeah. this happen with no rain. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. but so, uh, yeah, really. He was really on fire coming down the front stretch. Had to throw it in reverse so he gets to the safety cars quicker. Um, yeah, so here's my take on it. Jordan, you've been around dirt racing a lot. You have your 410s. Do they race like the 358s? No. Do they race like the late models? No, way different. Do they race like the USAC cars? The micro sprints, midgets. No, no. What? The thunder no. cars. No. The legends cars. No. They all have their own nuance. Okay. Yeah. So I like I understand what there's. Oh, it's not real dirt race, but that's the that's the fucking point. Yeah. Like we're yeah. throwing these cars on dirt, and they have no business being on dirt, but that's part of the magic. And we're making well, it work. It took us three years, but it was a good no. effing. Race. No one really could compete for the lead, but everything else was contested. That from that's, back was contested. That's why I'm that's why I'm torn because it was such a good race. 
Yeah. And I was like, I'm like, it's so good. And I get these guys are saying they shouldn't be on dirt, but I'm like, it's a car and, that again has no business on dirt. Yeah. But you know, and I feel they, like some of these guys are a little salty because they feel like they should go out here and they should be kicking everyone's butt because they're this is what they do. But guess what? This isn't what you've done all your life. It's some it's a different animal. It is one of those different cars. It doesn't respond to you like the sprint car does. It never will. And that's part of the magic of it. And it doesn't so, even respond to like a late model will. Yeah. Because the it's suspension different. is way different. And so we're asking you guys, we're we're saying we're not trying to be the world of outlaws here. We're not trying to be a dirt late model. We're trying to be something completely unique. And I right. think, me honestly, like I said, I, we knew this from the very first race. It's going to take a few years to figure this out. It did with Eldora, with the trucks. We knew mm -hmm. it would get here. Three years later, we're looking at this thing, and it's like, hey, this is a pretty dang good race. And to be honest with you, ever since they've effed up Bristol, that was probably a better spring race than you're going to have. Yeah. Like, to, to me, I, I'll be totally honest with you. I know you can look at attendance, and there's figures you can be like, well, it was Easter weekend. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> Viewership's down. Well, guess what? Everyone's changing the streaming. That's going to screw with the numbers. None of that should be surprising. But Bristol seats, I think, like 165,000. So if you have 50,000 in Bristol, it's going to look empty regardless. I don't know what the numbers were. But it's going to look empty either way. And remember the year before COVID, the spring race, they actually shut down the corners. Yeah. Because well, the attendance is also, there. I mean, if you take 50,000 and you part them at uh, actual dirt track. Oh, uh, yeah. It's going to be stuck. To the brim. Might be a little too full. Yeah. So, and, and now, now again, I, there might people not cannot, be. People cannot tell me because I've heard, oh, well, if you take them to a local short or a local dirt track that they're not, it's going to be the same kind of attendance. Wrong. Wrong. If you put the cup cars at Lincoln, I guarantee you, you sell out 100%. Oh, yeah, 100%. 100%. If you put yes. them at Fort, the Grove, Lincoln, I'm not saying it's going to be a good race, but I'm saying you're still yeah. going to sell them out. Yeah. So to me, I mean, I'm not super concerned with all that. Especially, like you, you, you should kind of know. Now, I don't think the Easter thing works for anyone. Yeah. Um, so I, I think they should change that. And what? I'm not saying that we should throw dirt on Bristol and run it again. But I think that the, the problem that the only issue I have with running one dirt race a year, and I hate to say this, but it almost seems to me like if you're going to do it, you should do it twice. It makes it more economical for the teams to have two where you're not just doing a one-off that makes more sense i think that's going to be where you hit a barrier here it's like well we don't want to do two one was fine but one doesn't yeah. make sense financially i yeah. think that's where the issue coming in and it's yeah. from, from hearing some of the things they didn't announce the dirt race at this race they didn't announce it for next year so maybe we're not doing it again next year and i i don't think it's going to be at bristol if they move it, I'm fine with that. You know, I, I, no, I think, and I was a big advocate for staying at Bristol because I thought, it, you know, because they run so many series there. They, they will run a tons of series there. If that's not viable for them anymore, then, hey, let's move it. Let's do something else. And I'm totally cool with that. But I at mm -hmm. least understood why we did it at Bristol right. because it made more sense for the racetrack. So, but when it doesn't 100%. make it for them, yeah, let's move it somewhere else. The, the problem and and this is the main thing the the only track i know about right now that makes any sense for them to do it at there's probably only two 
One is Eldora, mm-hmm. and the other one is probably Houston's. And I say that because it's another high bank track. Now, it might yeah, be yeah. a little too small for them. Um, Eldora is definitely big enough for them. Houston's is a little bit little bit smaller, so I don't know if Houston's is going to work. But, like, the people that are like, well, the truck sucked in Knoxville. Yeah, I can tell you why, because they're not meant to be on a dirt track that flat. Like, mm-hmm. when they were at Eldora, they put on amazing races. When you put them on a flat track, these trucks cannot get grip. These cars cannot get grip on a flat track. You're not going to have two lines. It's going to have to rubber up, and until it rubbers up, you're not going to have any grip. So the only thing I can see them doing is either running the dirt track in Charlotte, which, again, doesn't have a lot of banking, or running Eldora. Those are the only two I can see them doing. I think it's going to have to go more towards an Eldora. Um, or put dirt on your hand put dirt on North Wilkesboro. I don't know if they're going to do that. I don't know if that would be, I I don't know if it's viable, but I, I, I could see him trying. Well, I could see him trying it, but I I don't know. It might be one of those things that they're going to run the all-star race, see how everything goes. If the track needs a repave, they might convert it to dirt for that reason, Mm -hmm. but it might be, uh, we're going to convert it. And you could leave it. You could leave it. You could run your local series there. You wouldn't have to have this on and off field. Well, I was wondering if they were going to do it for a year and then repave. And like, hey, bring in the dirt. We'll pile it up here. We'll kind of design it as a track. And then, hey, we'll just repave it after the year. If if the dirt race doesn't go as well as we want it to, we'll repave it. And then you have the nostalgia of North Wilkesboro being a track back in that hopefully will wear out quicker. Um, Mm -hmm. But Again, there's only so many dirt tracks you can go to. And, I mean, hell, NASCAR has been able to create tracks. So if you think it costs money to, you know, build a dirt track to have cars run on it for a race, I mean, they literally paid all that money to build a pavement track inside a football stadium. Yeah. You can put it – you can almost put it anywhere, essentially. So, but if Charlotte's your hub – and you want to bring the, the all-star race back to Charlotte, but you want to run it on dirt. Why not bank the dirt track at Charlotte and make it more of a viable track to run dirt? And uh, there is that possibility. They could do and that. Then, I mean, you could make your, your uh, world finals big, a bigger deal with bigger banking, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. But well, maybe that's something it, to work in the it, magic. It gets to the point where, like, like Bristol is actually a scary track for sprint cars and late models. Like, mm-hmm. um, if you listen to Davenport on Stacking Pennies, in his late model, he's running 15-second laps. The Cup guys on dirt there are running 20s. Yeah. So it's so much faster when you have dirt banking. Actually, some guys in sprint cars wouldn't run Bristol due to the fact that the high rate of speed that they're going, it's actually very sketchy. Um, even Eldora is one of the tracks that they get very high rates of speed and it's, it's a sketchier form. So you have to be careful banking Charlotte much more than it is. I mean, it doesn't have a lot of banking now, but I mean, there's a possibility. I think you could add a little bit more banking to it and have a cup race on it and it'd be decent. Well, well, I mean, it's dirt. You could, and if you're running your all-star race in May, Right. Your world finals you are in October, November. You could yeah, you can end the track very easy. So, yeah, I don't know if it was uh, John Force, but John, whoever drives the uh, 
blue force that's for car. Is it the, the peak? Yeah. The peak, yes. Yeah, he wrecked the crap out of his car. <laughs> Holy oh, nice. crap, man. He actually he went from the right lane to the left lane, went in behind, I think it's Scott Coletta in the DHL car. He went behind him to the other side and then clipped and came across his front and then came across and hit the wall. That was crazy. <clears throat> anyway, all right. So I want him to keep the dirt race, but I do want, I would prefer that they moved it to a better spot. And let's go back racing the spring race, but don't make any illusions about it. The spring Bristol race was not selling out anyway. It wasn't doing anything special. It was just right. a good race. You know, so, so yeah. I'm, I'm not sold on the idea that, oh, we need to keep that race. I think, I don't think it necessarily makes it much better or worse. So yeah. we'll see how it goes and if they decide to move somewhere else. So anyway, that's all I have for today. We've made this one pretty long and I got to get to bed because I got to get up early. So any final thoughts for you, Jordan? Um, no, we just got to pick who we're going to run for tomorrow. And, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I've been doing pretty decent, I think. No, Jordan. So Jordan and I, 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 I needed to wait until he won again because I, I figured out I could do the Excel file on my phone. So I was starting it, and then I'm like, I can't send this to him until he wins again because he's going to be like, oh, yeah, no, you win a couple weeks in a row, and now you're going to send it to me. So Jordan won last week. He uh, he texted me ahead of time and picked Bell. <clears throat> and I didn't think I, – I, I was like, yeah, that's a good pick. I don't know that I can beat that. I think Bell's going to have a good shot. Turns out he ended up winning. So Jordan got his second win on the year. I picked uh, Jonathan Davenport kind of as a throwaway. It saves a pick for me because I didn't necessarily – I should have stuck. I jokingly told him Harvick. I'm like, yeah, Harvick. Uh, I should have stayed with him, dude. Look you at said, me in the race after all that. You he's said, ninth. You said Harvick, then you said Briscoe, and then you were like, no, Davenport. Yeah, well, I said I, I jokingly said Harvick, but then I said I want to pick Briscoe, but I know how it goes when I pick our guys. <clears throat> and then, which almost Briscoe, if he got ahead of Bell, if he did slider on Bell, if he roughed up Bell a little bit. He wins that. He wins that race. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm very confident. Um, but anyway, uh, so Jordan won. Uh, he got ten points out of it. I got none. So Jordan got back to a ten point. We were tied. So Jordan got back to a ten point lead as of right now. So uh, it is my pick this week. And man, Stuart Haas has all four cars qualified in the top ten. But the only car that was any good in practice was Kevin, and the rest were booty. Um, even Priest, who's on the pole, was 31st in practice, which concerns me. But uh, I do kind of want to lean into Priest on this one, but I just don't trust him from the practice speeds. So I'm going to actually go with uh, – I feel like this is a safe pick, and maybe I'm going to screw this one up. But I'm going to go with William Byron. I think that based on his spring race last year, I think he did pretty good in the fall too. I think that's a safe pick. Yeah, you know, so I was thinking something similar to that um, due to the fact, you know, he's been pretty good there the past couple of years. And uh, Door Bumper Clear said something pretty interesting. Might want to stay away from the Hendrick cars until NASCAR lays off of them a little bit. Um, so with that being said, I think I'm going to take your boy. I think I'm going to go Kevin Harvick. Interesting. That's it. That, <laughs> what's interesting is he was fifth in practice. But then he was seventh in qualifying. He was the slowest out of out of our cars. So, um, 
But yeah, hey, hey, honestly, I hope you're right. I hope you're right. Actually, I would really like to see Priest go out and win a race. Yeah. Um, I like to see see him go out there and kind of tell everyone I told you so, uh, and get a win. And you know, selfishly, that puts us two cars in the chase because I think Kevin's doing he's doing well enough that I, I think he can make it on points. Unless we keep having these winners, we keep yeah. having more and more. So. We talked about last year not having a whole bunch, and so far we only had one repeat winner. So um, maybe we'll have a new one this year, and hopefully maybe it's Kevin Harvick or Ryan Priest, and and uh, I'll concede if it's Kevin to you, and I'll, I'll take that L <laughs> and gladly take my bonus. So yeah. anyway, uh, thanks for listening mm-hmm. to this long one. We had to get caught up on things. Um, so, uh, Jordan, are you going camping next weekend? I'm not. The next weekend we're camping okay. is May, the first weekend in May. Cool. Awesome. So we'll uh, we'll be back next week to break down Martinsville. All right, guys. Take it easy. All right. We'll yep. see you later. Later. All right.